I'm Stefan Sittig, and welcome to American Theatre Artists Online, where we talk with leading contemporary figures in American theatre. If you've been enjoying the American Theatre Artists Online podcast, I urge you to consider donating to help the artists who produce the theatre that we all love so much. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, many performers, designers, directors, choreographers, stage crew, and theater administration staff are either without a job or in peril of losing their jobs. The Actors Fund provides assistance to artists to cover basic living expenses, such as food, essential medications, utilities, and more. If you love and enjoy theater, please consider donating to the Actors Fund today. Just go to actorsfund.org and press donate. My guest today is Mary Page Nance, a performer, director, choreographer, and master teacher, having appeared on Broadway in the original casts of Finding Neverland and Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812 and around the country with the first national tour of Bright Star. She most recently helped develop the new musical, Black No More, with choreography by Bill T. Jones. And she continues developing the new musical, Lempica, directed by Tony Award winner, Rachel Chavkin. Mary Page has performed in numerous regional and off-Broadway productions and has been an integral part of the development of various shows, including Soft Power, The Share Show, and War Paint. Aside from performing, Mary Page is passionate about arts education and stays busy teaching the world's next generation of theater performers. Hi, Mary Page. Hi, Stefan. How are you? You know, I'm fine. How are you? I'm great. I'm so happy to have you here on American Theater Artists Online, our podcast. I've been wanting to talk to you for a while, um, and I'm so glad you were able to make it tonight. Well, I'm very happy to hear your voice and to have seen you briefly on screen. Oh, well, you know, you've done a ton of stuff. I, I wanted to talk to you. You were one of the people that I wanted to get in here to talk to us uh, on our podcast because... I like to interview what we call leading contemporary figures in American theater. And I think a lot of the work that you're doing in theater um, is right there on that contemporary edge, on the stuff that's happening now. And I think that's really what a lot of my listeners want to talk about. And you've done so many different things. So um, I wanted that's why we wanted to have you here. Well, thank you. I'm excited to remember that I do theater. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. In quarantine, I'm, you know, it's a little bit of a distant memory, but I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, I was going to ask you, so that's great, because that's my first question. So how do you, how are you holding up during this period? You know, for theater people, it's been, it's been a tough time, but there have been some outlets and some other things. How are you managing during this quarantine? Oh, I don't think I'm managing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone is man. I, I, thank you for asking it. <laughs> I'm okay. You know, I, I think it's, I, I'm okay. I don't, I think, I don't think anyone can say like, I'm great. I mean, right? who is, thri I don't think we're thriving. I think we're surviving. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I think I've been, you know, pivoting into other creative realms just to keep myself sane. And um, I kind of ran away from New York. Uh, we couldn't afford our rent anymore. So we had to leave. <laughs> sure. Well, if you don't have an so, income. Yeah. And you've been working in, you know, on Broadway and New York on stage and if you don't or doing shows out of town and if you're not working you can't pay your rent yeah well and also more than that i mean you know we we could have gotten by i think it just made sense because you know in new york you wake up in the morning you leave your apartment you go nine million places and you don't get home till midnight that's my life so mm -hmm. you're never really in your apartment so our apartment didn't was great for us when neither i live with my boyfriend we were never home, but, um, you know, when you're home 24 hours a day and you're both trying to work at home and I'm teaching zoom dance classes in my four foot living room and, oh God, um, awesome. it just became, <laughs> oh yeah, it, it just became like not sustainable. So it just made more sense for us to go, go somewhere with more space. But, um, so yeah, so I feel kind of removed from the theater world, but I do feel like, um, yeah, I'm surviving. I think we're all surviving. None of us are, are, thrilled with this kind of state of the world, certainly, uh, but um, definitely the state of theater. It doesn't really feel like it's 
present, but I think that that's okay and that we're all just spending time investing in our actual lives and our relationships and, you know, taking time for ourselves and that's okay. So I think I'm, I'm doing well, but um, I miss it. You know, I miss what I do. I miss my community. I miss my friends, but, um, but I'm holding up. I'm, I'm holding up. That's yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the people that I've talked to who are in similar situations as you or performers or working in New York, um, they've had to move to go somewhere else and to find a little more space or be with family until this is all over. And I had one of my friends was saying, you know, this is like a big pause we're all on and all of us are on the pause. So it's not like, I mean, yes, we all miss theater, but we're all missing theater collectively. So it's not like one person is, or people are out there getting to do theater and we're just missing it. We're all missing it, right? So at least Definitely. there's, you know, that consolation. <laughs> yes, no, I agree. And that's interesting. I love that you brought that up because it does feel like we're all in the same boat versus, you know, when you're doing theater and the world is existing, it's easy to kind of, feel like if you don't have a job at that moment that you're always like well somebody else is working and they have a job and it's easy to compare yourself and kind of prepare yourself for being you know like this hustle of like well I have to get a job I have to get a job but it's kind of nice and refreshing that everyone is just not able to work so it feels like you know the connections and the relationships that I you know have are truly just based on humanity and not based mm. on this person wants something from me or I want something from them or it just feels like you know I'm connecting with people on a life level instead of a career level and that is refreshing and cool and you know so many cool creative projects have come out of this time where people don't have the opportunity to have those jobs like you're doing this podcast I I started a business um a paper business which I don't know if we'll talk about but um, it's called a page of mary and I literally am surviving and and doing really well with this business that I created that I, I wouldn't have ever done if I hadn't had the time. Um, and so many different artists are making new things. They're just creating new things. And that, that I think is a positive um, and something that wouldn't have happened without this sort of collective rest absolutely. that we're all in. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. And, and I think that, well, I do want to talk to you more about A Page of Mary, right? Uh, which I think is a great idea. And I, I went on your website and saw these beautiful products that you have, that you work on, that you create. So we'll talk about those for sure at the end. I have a spot for that. But let's talk a little bit about, so what, you know, the, the reason that you're, that we're talking to you here on this podcast is because of your experience working on Broadway and elsewhere um, in professional theater around the country, working uh, in, you know, shows that were successful, but also shows that are in development, which is, I think, a really interesting, a piece of the work you do. But before we dive into that, I wanted to ask you, how did you get your start in theater? Were you, was it something you always wanted to do? I like to ask people that. Or did you have a mentor or someone who helped you? You know, briefly, as briefly as you can tell us the story, how, how did you get to where you are? Well, thank you for highlighting the word briefly. Um, <laughs> as briefly as you can. Listen, what, what can we do? Oh my gosh. Um, well, where are, we, where are you from in in Virginia. I, I was born in D.C., in the District of Columbia. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. I was born in Alexandria, not too far away. Ah, not far. Yeah, most of us that are born in D.C., um, I was born in D.C., but my parents at the time lived in Alexandria as well, so not far. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, there we go. Yeah, so I grew up, and then when I was five, we moved to Richmond. So I grew up in Richmond, um, which luckily is an incredible community for the arts. Yes. Um, tons of programs, especially like in public schools. Um so I was lucky to have exposure to the arts at a really young age. Um, so I think, I mean, that, I'm, that's what's responsible for giving me access. So um, I grew up doing Spark. Have you heard of Spark? You know Spark. I know Spark, but my listeners may not know that it's a school of the performing arts in the Richmond community, right? Yeah, I taught there exactly. for a few years. Yeah. Oh, of course you did. Yeah. So I grew up doing that, which is kind of an extracurricular after school program. And I went to... Uh, public elementary school at Fox and they have a great program called Minds in Motion which is from the Richmond Ballet and they come in and they teach every single kid in certain public schools across the area dance mm. um, so I did that you know I was super I had access to all these amazing programs and um, I just kind of grew up in Richmond doing it I never felt like as a young person that I wanted to be on Broadway or do it as a you know for a living I just loved it and I think my parents saw that when I was really little I was always putting on performances for their guests after dinner my sister and I would like pull up a stool and perform in front of the fireplace after dinner so it was just always a part of my life mm. um 
And then it really wasn't until I, well, I went to Appomattox Regional Governor School okay. for high school, and mm -hmm. I studied dance, and I kept doing theater throughout. And it wasn't until I was applying to colleges that I, I kind of had to take it seriously, like, okay, well, do I want to go for theater? Do I want to go for dance? And um, I ended up deciding that I did, because I was interested in so many other things. I thought maybe I would do physical therapy. I loved anatomy. I was really... Um, I did well in math and science randomly, so I just mm. was interested in a lot of things. Mm. It wasn't ever, you know, theater or bust. I didn't have that mentality. I just did it because it made me happy. Mm -hmm. um, and I just always in life try to follow things that make me happy. So I then went to, I got into a school called SUNY Purchase for dance. Um, and I got a BFA in modern dance. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, and SUNY Purchase is up in New York. So I applied to a bunch of Virginia schools, you know, that were in state, more affordable. Um, but I ended up deciding, okay, well, I can go to New York because it's near New York, you know, well, this, this is upstate, but it's near the city. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, I, I can take a chance and go to a big school up there. And if I hate it, I can always come back to VCU and, you know, I'll, that'll be okay. And of Stay course, I Richmond loved area, it. I right, loved yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So I went to school in New York and it was incredible. It was the hardest thing I've <laughs> ever done. Um, I thought I was going to get kicked out every day. I, I was like so behind when I first went in and, um, this might I be totally, this might be totally random, but doesn't SUNY purchase have like a big Suzuki program? I have that in the back of my no, head somewhere. No? I don't know. I, I remember hearing some people talk about Suzuki, you know, which is a movement style from, from Japan and all these other, you know, um, it's a really complex movement style. I just thought that you might've gotten hooked up with that and gotten really into that, but well, you um, know what? They may teach it in the acting program. Oh, and what's right. funny is um, they don't have a musical theater program, which is oh. hmm. interesting because they're, they're acting. I mean, their acting program is top of the line. The, like, yeah. all, all, all my peers from that school are famous. <laughs> like I can name sure. ki kids who are in my class who are in the acting program and dance building. And um, the acting program was in the dance building. So I got to know a lot of the actors. Many of them are Tony nominated. They're that's great. The, the it's a good place to go to school. There. Yeah. Oh my God! It was an incredible artistic community. It was, it was just rich with brilliant artists. So I was really lucky to go there. Um, uh, but I went for dance, so I had to kind of supplement my acting and singing as I could. So I yeah. took acting class um, while I was there. I took drawing. I took I took a million things and had to kind of supplement. And then um, I graduated and started working kind of in the modern dance community, was trying to do theater, and um, neither of them were really panning out. It took a couple years for me to kind of get any job. Mm. And then I random, well, it wasn't random, but I, I finally got my first job a couple years out of school doing a chorus line up in New Hampshire. Oh, wow. Yes, and you know that show. It's very, mm -hmm. like, well, it just makes forces you to come to terms with who you are as an artist. <laughs> what you and, did for uh, love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was, you know, the first time I I had the chance to wake up, do theater, and then my job was done at 6 o'clock after rehearsal, and then I just got to do nothing. I didn't have to go work a shift at the bakery or the clothing store that I worked at. I was like, wait, this is it? I just get to wake up and do theater, and then that's it for the day. So a lot, of people, a lot of people who do a chorus line like say, so who are you? Let me guess. Were you a Christine? <gasps> Can you guess? Christine? <gasps> that is so offensive. You think I can't sing? <laughs> no, but it's just your personality type. I was thinking kind of Christine because she's kind of bubbly and a lot of energy. Um, I'm uh, totally kidding. Maggie? <laughs> no. Nice counter there. I see what you did. Oh, my God. Um, what, so what politically, to the other? I was 23 years old uh -huh. and I played Sheila. Oh, wow. Interesting. Nice, nice Very casting. Interesting. Good. They cast against type, I would think. I know. But what's funny is I did it with, our Cassie was um, Michelle Ar Aravena. Do you know who that is? Name sounds familiar. She's, um, she's a fabulous Broadway performer, but uh, she was our Cassie and she met, you know, she thought I was 30 because <laughs> I was, well, I was, she just was like, oh my God, wait, you're 23. Um, <laughs> something about Sheila's like, just being so over it and I had I've been working for years and mm -hmm. hadn't gotten a job and I related right. to her mm -hmm. um yeah. really well she's funny it's she, a great I, role yeah it's a great role it's a great role I was but more of a mic I was a mic so I guess that makes sense to oh uh, okay yeah that. yeah yeah we would have been we would have been close together on the line then <laughs> that's right 
<laughs> and but it's weird you say Christine because last year, a, a year ago, I played Christine. Oh, you did. When I was when I was thirty, and Christine's supposed to be twenty three, so I swapped. You it. <laughs> so a course yeah. line taught you sort of. Well, you already knew, but course line was really was that what made bit you? Was that the bug that bit you after you did that course line? It it was the bug that said, okay, what are you doing with this modern dance? Like, I I, I love modern dance, but I'm an actor. I'm a singer. I have mm-hmm. to tell stories with my voice. I can't. A lot of modern dance doesn't use text. It's all physical. And while I loved it, I just there's a part of my soul that was kind of missing mm-hmm. when I was doing it, and so. Really, it also came from the director, Brian Knowlton, whom I adore. He did the revival on Broadway. He played Paul. Um, Mm -hmm. He's an incredible director, choreographer, and he really was kind of a mentor to me in that process. And he directed it and and was just very invested in in me and was just so kind and just supported me and basically pulled me aside and was like, what are you doing (laughs) this modern dance stuff like you you're an actress like you have to do this and so I then I I moved back to New York and I just said okay I'm not doing this anymore I I I specifically had to stay out into the universe I don't want to be in a modern dance company I had to cut out you know my pickup modern dance work and I just went full-time into pursuing theater and then um you know I didn't have an agent I didn't have I wasn't equity I was so behind because I didn't know how any of that worked um but Mm -hmm. I figured it out on my own and and within a couple I guess within a year I booked the Finding Neverland workshop, which um, then turned into the Out of Town, which then turned into my Broadway debut, and then I was I was in, and it, it was all over from there. Wow, what a great story! I mean, you did encapsulate it really well. I know there were a lot of probably things going on in there, a lot more com- complex. But thanks for breaking it down so 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 well uh, and briefly, because you did you did achieve that. <laughs> but oh, so thank you. See, I still felt it was too. Oh god! I'm, my gosh, I messed up the mic again. Oh no, it's you fine. Don't worry off. about it. It's fine. So, um, the so Finding Neverland. You, you get to Broadway, and Finding Neverland is your first uh, big break on Broadway. So, and and now you started in the workshop. So, is that a theme for you that you sort of are really heavily involved? It seems in in a lot of workshops and development. And then I guess you know, as always, some get to Broadway, some don't, some end up elsewhere. But. Um, Let's talk about the, those experiences on Broadway, the Finding Neverland, and then you were also in Natasha Pierre in The Great Comet of 1812, right? Yes, I was. So both of those. Talk to me a bit what you learned about being, you know, at this point, a working Broadway actor in those shows. Oof, what I learned. Um, gosh, well, yes, I do tend to do a lot of developmental work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was lucky that my first Broadway experience was I got to, I got to build it from the ground up. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I named my character. I got to, you know, I was in the room with the writer of the show. So I could like, you know, wink, wink, like, Hey, you're going to give me another line. And then he would like, not <laughs> that he would, cause I said it, but it no, was just so no, cool. You know, we'd, we'd go in every day and check our, you know, they have little, um, like a file box and you would go into your little name and you pull out the new songs and the new pages. And, you know, we'd always flip through and say, Oh, does Miriam have a line? We'd get so excited. Um, Cause it was changing like in front of our eyes, which was so cool. I just couldn't believe it. And to this day, you know, finding Neverland, we were on Broadway for a year and a half and it did a full tour across North America equity. And then it's also done tour non-equity now. And so I've met so many performers who have done the show, um, equity or non-equity, you know, years later now it's been like five years and, you know, I was like, Oh my God, you're my track. And they're still wearing our costumes, which is so weird. Right. Cause so. the costumes that get end up being taken, you know, used in all the different productions later. But you know, one thing people don't know about Broadway shows in their development, and this is something that I'm, I could ask you, I guess, is that, you know, what you just, just explained, which is you're a part of it. And so therefore some things get built around you. Um, and people don't understand that, like, for example, the role of Glinda in Wicked was, you know, tailored for Kristen Chenoweth. So, you know, it's not that the role, it can only be played by Kristen Chenoweth, but it's just that a lot of the little things in there were created in the first, you know, when you're part of that original workshop, you can really have a lot of input into what ends up being on the page for everyone else to do, right? Abs- 100%. And it's kind of up to you whether that happens or not, especially in the ensemble. You can just sit there and kind of do what you're told and just do the bare minimum and you might not get kept or they might not get inspired. But if you're an actor and just a creative human who's in the room who's coming up with ideas and, you know, presenting things and just really being um, 
just generating a lot of, a lot whether it's like movement just ideas and characters mm -hmm. and they're going to notice that and they're going to pull that out and they're going to write things for you because they notice that you're giving them so much because here's the thing they don't know what they're doing any more than you do yeah, it's very it. like yeah they're making it from the ground up so i think the best thing creatives can do is get people in a room who are brilliant artists who come together and give you give them a lot of ideas because they need all the help they can get. So if you're going to be in that environment, you have to be, and I tell this a lot to young people, like you have to, don't just be a blank canvas and wait around for them to give you direction. It's like, they don't know. So you just have to come up with something and then they'll go, yes. Okay, great. Mary Page, you come in with that prop or whatever. Like, and I learned that the hard way in that Work, I, we did a couple workshops, but the first workshop, I just was so intimidated because it was, you know, I remember Carolee Carmelo, some mm -hmm. the most incredible performers of all time. You know, she walked she's in the first day with her like blown out red hair and I was like, she's so Broadway. I mean, <laughs> she is Broadway. Um, and I remember we were doing a workshop and a lot of the a lot of the people when you're doing a workshop are in Broadway shows. So after, like Wednesdays and Saturdays, they'll leave rehearsal to go do their matinees. And I was in the elevator with Carolee on a Wednesday and she goes, oh, Mary Page, are you in a show right now? Just asking me if I was on Broadway. And I was like, no, girl, I'm not in a show. <laughs> you're like, I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm working on it. I was just so geeked out to be there that I just wanted to do everything right. I wanted everyone to like me. And so I, I was more hesitant to contribute ideas. And um, I learned the hard way because then you kind of get cut out of stuff. Um, so I, the choreographer would just like cut me literally. And so I was like, wait, this isn't working. And um, a good friend of mine, Colin Cunliffe, who's, if you don't know him as a performer, you just, I don't know what you're doing. He's out of this world. He's, <laughs> okay, I know he's, him. <laughs> good, okay, good, good. Um, I know his name, he, yes. Yes, I mean, so he's he's done, um, I mean, he's done a million Broadway shows, but he, he's a good friend of mine, and he had at that point been in, I think he was in Pippin at the time, mm -hmm. and I remember a lunch break, I was, or I guess it was, a, it was after the rehearsal, and we, I went to the room where you, like, eat lunch or whatever, and he was killing time before his show he had to do Pippin that night and I was just really sad because I think I'd gotten cut for something that day or something and, and he I remember him just like you know we just met that week and he was like how, how are you doing and I, I felt I was like oh well I just feel like like they don't like me or whatever you feel mm -hmm. you know and I remember him saying like you like you have to get out there and like just go for it and just make a choice because they're not going to wait. Like you don't have time in a workshop mm. for people to, to wait around and like say, Mary Page, we created this part for you. It's like, you have to come out of the wings blazing with an idea and, and present it and then it'll get latched onto. And I, that, that conversation in that moment stuck with me for the rest of my career and will for the rest of my life. And he would always kind of wink at me in rehearsal if he saw that I was kind of going for something and, and it worked. And so then, mm. you know, they, they liked the stuff that I was bringing, and so they, they write in an extra bit, and then pretty soon, like, I have a line, and then, you know, you get kept around, and that's how you make a stake for yourself and make sure you get kept on to the next round, is that you're not expendable because you're, help, you're helping them make the, their job is easier if you are contributing, sure. um, and so that's really important with developmental work, and it kind of ensures that you'll continue on with the project because they can't replace you if you could do everything, right? You can sing it, you can dance it, you can act it, you can come up with ideas. Like, why would they replace you? Right. No, that makes sense. You suddenly become real a real asset. And, um, you know, I have friends who have a career on Broadway and every show they've done on Broadway, they've done several now, five or six or seven, have all began with for them in, in a workshop situation. They've taken all of them from a workshop, wherever it was, elsewhere, to Broadway, and then been in the original cast on Broadway. I think that's gotta be a very different feeling than coming into a show that's already had an original cast and you're replacing someone or coming in later. When you did Natasha Pierre, were you in the part of that workshop into that too, or did you come in to the show? That is a good question. You're so right. It's it's an art. Coming into a show that exists is so hard. And doing Finding Neverland, I did the whole run, and we had so many people come in to be different parts, right? And mm -hmm. it's like some people would come in, 
And it was like, woof, they do not match this cast, you know, mm. because the cast is a family. We, we've been there for a year. We're there every day. It's, it's such an art to come in in a smooth way. Yeah. And then some people come in and we love them and we're sad when they go. So that is definitely a thing. So with Comet, I, I auditioned for... I didn't, so they did a bunch of off-Broadway develop. That that show was going on for like eight years before mm-hmm. I got to Broadway. And I was not part of any of that. I happened to see it when it was off-Broadway and loved it. Um, but I auditioned for it when it was going to make the transfer to Broadway. Yeah. And it was right when Finding Neverland was closing. I, um, I got cut in the last... It was like the final, final callback. And there were maybe... I want to say 10 girls, 10 guys in that room um, and we did a huge dance thing. I mean, I ended up getting cut before we sang that last round and I was mm-hmm. beside myself. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is not happening. This this is my job. This, you know, you, sometimes you just know, you know. Sure. A show is yours. You just know a show is yours. You have the feeling you're like, you're insane if you don't cast me. I'm so right <laughs> for this. I just knew I was right for it and I, I got cut and I was devastated. And then a couple weeks later, the choreographer reached out to me and said he wanted to offer for me to do a dance lab which is a similar thing to a workshop a workshop is usually four weeks maybe more and that a dance lab is typically a week sometimes more but it's just focused on the dance element Mm -hmm. so there's no script there's no song it's usually just a couple of dancers in the room with the choreographer development you know developing the movement and so I got asked to do a dance lab which is good and And he obviously saw something in you yeah, exactly. Sam Pinkleton, who's mm-hmm. obviously amazing. We went to high school together, fun fact. Oh, interesting. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, amazing. but we never worked together professionally. Right. And, you so know. he saw you in the audition room and was blown away probably by the way you move or dance and maybe thought, I want this person to help me. De-. Again, the development comes into play where you're able, you're someone that obviously people think can help them develop and help them work on something in development. Yeah, exactly. And so I did that and it was a week long. It was amazing. And of course I was heartbroken because we didn't, I, the people who were in the room were people who had gotten far in the callbacks, but didn't get the job because, but he was very open the first day and said, you know, we are here because we see you in the world of the show and we love you. Um, so then you can kind of work in the environment of like, okay, well this is potential for me, but I'm going to help. And yeah, so workshops are an interesting thing because you have to give so much of yourself knowing that what you're giving is just going to be taken away from you. Um, and you have you're, to really love weird. what you're doing. Yeah. And then also yeah. the, the maturity, it takes a certain level of maturity to do that, right? To not say, well, um, I didn't get the part, so I'm walking away, which some people might do, right? Um, but you yeah, didn't, you didn't it's do hard. That. Yeah. As you said, maturity is huge. And, and, you know, we still, Equity's still talking about that, you know, whether if you develop a piece, whether you should have a, a you know, pr- part of the, profit that comes back if the show does really well you know stuff like that so that's been a whole conversation which I feel very strongly about um and so but every time you do one of those things it's like an investment in your career and I knew okay well if I get in front of this team then maybe it'll help me down the line and it did a couple months later the show was in previews and Sam was nice enough he got us all comps to see the show Mm -hmm. because when you're in a usually if you're if you're a solid human, you'll do that to the people who've developed it. Um, and so I got to see the show for free. I loved it. I saw the team. You know, about a week later, uh, they I got a call at night, like during Cat. I went to go see Cats, and I got a call on my phone from the casting director, and he said, hey, we need some more coverage. Uh, we need to hire a swing tomorrow. Uh, you don't need to dance. The entire team has approved you. The dance team has approved wow. you. We don't need you to dance. All we need to do is hear you sing, refresh our mind, minds mm-hmm. of your voice. Come in tomorrow at 10 a.m. Can you be there? And I was, I had to change a flight. I was supposed to fly out internationally the next day. So I changed my flight and I was like, yes, I'll be there. Uh, I went in, it was me and another person. Um, I got the job that yeah. afternoon and I went into rehearsals a week later. So it was definitely um, meant to be. Yeah, it was meant to be, but it was cool because I felt like I did need that time off. And at that point, because I had developed so much with Finding Neverland over years, mm-hmm. I was kind of I was kind of burnt out on that. So it was nice that I kind of came in and the show just existed and I just got to learn it. <laughs> right, but that's a whole other <laughs> I didn't have to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then I had to do the thing that you talked about where I had to gently kind of insert myself into a family that had existed for a couple of years and they had a whole process and I had to come in, but also I was saving their butts because they really needed coverage. And so I learned the show 
really fast and I went yeah. in a girl got injured and I went in like a week later so I was performing with them on Broadway within like a week that's amazing yeah I've had the swing experience myself a couple times for some pretty big projects and it's really um yeah it's exactly what you described which is you know you're scared you want to get in and fit in with the family right but then they when you do well then they're everyone's super grateful because they realize that you've saved you know you've you've let the show go on uh, <laughs> without you the absolutely show go on. So yes, that's amazing. Yeah. And then they, then you become one of the family. That's usually what happens by showing yes. them that you're, you know, you're, you're there, you're, you're not, you're not, you're serious. You're not messing around. And that's that mm-hmm. dedication pays off. But so that's two shows on Broadway. And then you did the, the first national tour bright star, which is such a great show. Um, I saw it in at the Kennedy center prior to Broadway. And I just love <sighs> the show. The, the Josh Rhodes choreography and movement is just so amazing. Something that it's like what I love about choreography, the way I love it. So I was so happy and it's what a great show. And so you got to do the first national tour of that. Yes. I'm so glad you brought up the choreography because it's one of those shows that you wouldn't call it a dance show. No one in that show is a dancer. Right. And yet the choreography is some of my favorite choreography I have ever seen on Broadway. Me too. It's, Brilliant. Yeah. I didn't see it on Broadway, but me too in, in a Broadway, a show going to Broadway, right? Because I saw it at the Kennedy Center before. At the but, Kennedy Center, yes. Yeah, but it is. It's, it's the whole show just moves the entire time. And um, mm-hmm. I, just, I, I just think that's so much harder to do than just like a dance number now. You know what I mean? Like everyone stop and we're going to dance. I, I, don't, I don't love those. I prefer um, what, what Josh did for that. And so you got to be a part of that and then tour the country with that. So that must have been a great experience. It was a great experience. And that show, when it was, I I remember I was at the Kennedy Center when it was there. And Mm -hmm. I went to, I think I had to go see, my friend was doing Matilda and Mm -hmm. I had to choose. I remember like I was dying to see Bright Star (laughs) because I knew it was folk music, which I love. And I had asked to get in an audition for it when I was in Finding Everland and I couldn't get an audition. My agents tried and they were like, oh, they just think you're not right for it, which was incorrect. Clearly incorrect later. (laughs) Yeah, they don't know. It's like, they don't know. (laughs) It's so hard. It's such a messed up business. But, um, so I was dying to see it, but I I had to go support my friend. I saw Matilda instead, but I remember being at the Kennedy Center like, I want to see it. Um, Yeah, (laughs) totally. And then I went to see it on Broadway uh, because I had to. Mm -hmm. And I... (laughs) I mean, I sat in the nosebleeds, you know, I always get the cheap seats and I was a hot mess. I was (laughs) tears streaming down my face. I, it's just, I mean, that music just feels like breathing to me. It's, it's how I I grew up listening to folk music. That's, you know, my mom's a singer and she, I just, that's like, I feel at home with that Mm -hmm. music. Um, I, I I thought, I just thought it was brilliant. The story, everything. I loved it. So I was dying to do the show and I heard they were casting a tour. And once again, my ears perked up and I was like, agents, Mm -hmm. like I have to get in for this. And Mm -hmm. they were like, Oh, they're casting it out of LA. Like, so sorry. It's not going to happen. Um, and then randomly they were casting like two or three replacements halfway through the tour. And I, I don't know. I still to this day don't know how they found me, but I got an audition and, um, I, I was so, I got the job, you know, that's mm-hmm. a whole other story, but I got the job yeah. and I, if that again felt meant to be, I was just so excited to do that show. I loved it. It was so different than Comet, you know, in Comet, we start the show and we literally run full sprint out of the, out of the, not really wings, but wherever we're coming from. And we start throwing pierogies at people. <laughs> that's how we start the show. So it's like full sprint, throwing things at people, yelling, hyping people up. And then that shows like being shot out of cannon. And Bright Star, literally, the first thing I did was I stood backstage with a colander full of peas. And I walked slowly out from the wing and stood in the back in the dark and sang softly holding a colander and that was the beginning of the show it like could not have been more different but that's great Um, because it is expanding your repertoire right and it's expanding your experiences working on these broadway shows and you know i mean what a bet so you've you've had now the experience of of going with the show from workshop all the way development all the way to broadway another one where you replaced you went in in a show that was already part of a big family, it was already running on Broadway, and the experience of getting into a, uh, you know, joining a national tour. Uh, so you've had really the full gamut of the, of the actor-performer experience, right, in, in Broadway musicals, it seems. 
Yeah, I guess so. You maybe never never thought of it that way, but that's so. I never thought of it. <laughs> what I'm most interested in talking to you about, though, is your work developing new shows. Because as I see, you know, the work you've done so far, and we've talked a bit about that. Um, you know, how does it work? How, you talked a little bit of, about the development already, but let's talk specifically about two projects that I know you're you've worked on or are working on: um, Black No More and Limpica. Um, mm-hmm. uh, those are two new musicals that people may not know about because they're still not, they still haven't, right, um, opened on Broadway, uh, obviously due to everything that we're going through now, the pause, but also just if they're still in development. So talk to us about A Black No More with choreography by Bill T. Jones, which sounds amazing. He also did Spring Awakening for those listening, right? And Lempika, so um, with, with Rachel Shafkin, right? So, I mean, these are two great, people that you're working with. So talk to us whichever order you want about those those projects. Oh my gosh. I wish you could see my face right now because I'm just smiling <laughs> so much because I haven't thought about these projects in months. I kind of had to like, in order to survive this emotionally, I kind of just had to push things down to be like, okay, that's not happening. So I just have to move on. I mean, I was devastated when... So Lempica, um, mm-hmm. we were supposed to be at La Jolla in California, we were going to do our out-of-town tryout this past summer. So we would have kind of been done maybe September. I mean, we had, we had books. I had a plane ticket. I had, I knew where I was staying. I mean, we, it was, it was booked. It was happening. And then supposedly we were supposed to be on Broadway, you know, in the spring, maybe we would see if we got a theater, but, um, that was like happening. And I had done two workshops a year apart before that. So it was this Christmas, it will have been, I guess two years because the first workshop was a year ago last Mm. Christmas and then sorry the second workshop that I did and then there was a year before that that we did another workshop so this one's been kicking around even longer than that before I came to it but I've done two workshops okay two workshops. so Lempika tell people who are listening what it's about roughly uh if you have a you know basically what what is it based on or what is it sure 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 so it is about a woman named Tamara de Lampica, who um, is a famous, she's uh, no longer living, but she was a famous uh, portrait artist. She um, mostly came to fame in Paris and she painted incredible sort of art deco um, portraits. Uh, but her, the ones that made her famous were mostly of women mm. and they were sort of machine-like and just modern at the time. It was the 1920s and no one had ever seen anything like it. And um, it's it's basically her story of how she came, um, she, how she got there. Uh, and it gets political mm-hmm. and, you know, it covers like the Bolshevik revolution. It's all these, there's so many things happening. It's really grand. It's kind of like a Les Mis and how epic it is, but it's also contemporary in the way that the music is formulated. Um, and it's, a, it's about this incredible, strong woman who's an artist and it's about her life, her love, her work. And it's just an, unbelievable story and I'm excited for people to eventually see it whenever they do you know and I've been hearing about it here and there and the title was throwing around and before I I ran into you at the VTA conference and then you talked about it at the VTA conference I was like oh my god so you know uh this there's stuff going on you know they're moving forward and you know I I her sexuality was also an issue right because she was supposedly bisexual I guess you'd say um I don't know the exact I mean what she would have called herself but but um you know that that's an issue that's very contemporary to now that people talk about more than they did back then so that that could be an interesting and you get to work with Rachel Chavkin. So, I mean, that's a pretty interesting project. And so you were working, you had gone through two workshops of that mm-hmm. at that point, and it was going to start at La Jolla. So who knows? You know, again, we need to think of this as a pause. We're going to pick right up. That's my hope uh, <laughs> soon. And, you know, it'll be different, but it, some things will continue, I think. And, and mm-hmm. then, you know, what about the Black No More project with Bill T. Jones? That was something you had already worked to help develop, right? Yes, that's another dream project. I mean, I've been wanting to work with Bill G. Jones since I was in high school. I am utterly such a fan of his work. Um, that's a kind of a whole other meant-to-be relationship, I feel. And uh, yes, I did a workshop. It was supposed So that was supposed to be an off-Broadway run at the new group pretty much now. Like, it, we would have been in rehearsals now. Wow. Um, and so it was supposed to run off-Broadway and then you know, make its way to Broadway eventually. But um, that project is also just out of this world. It's uh, 
So Tariq Trotter, who is from um, the group The Roots, um, mm-hmm. you might recognize him from um, Jimmy Fallon's Jimmy Fallon band. show. Yeah, I was going to say The Roots. <laughs> I know that the, yeah. he has The Roots as his band on the Jimmy Fallon show. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so they're obviously a huge, famous hip-hop group that's been around forever and a huge leader in, in their industry. And he's just like, this is his first theater project ever and is um it's it's heavily about uh race it's um about social justice it's it's a really interesting story that kind of takes that head on and it's like not sugar-coated it's mm-hmm. it's super um out there and uh it's really cool because Tariq is in it so mm-hmm. in the workshop I got to work with him he's he's one of the lead uh actors so it's so cool to work with him and he's writing it and it's his first theater project so he's nervous but he's also so cool and such like he's just such a boss kind of in his life. So it's really cool to see him work in this new environment. And, you know, we got to know each other. We did a five week workshop for that. So it was pretty, it was, it was pretty intense. Um, And that, that's, I think it's going to be another thing that kind of changes the game. It's, it's people will say it's revolutionary. I think the, the Mm. writing and, you know, we don't have hip, real hip-hop on Broadway, and I, uh, I know I shouldn't say that, but, hip, you know, Hamilton and In the Heights is, like, hip-hop light. It's yes, like correct. Broad, wait, I call it Broadway hip-hop. Yeah. Um, it's infused. But, the hip-hop is infused throughout a pretty traditional musical, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to In the Heights mm-hmm. and, and um, you know, mixed with Latin, right? And yeah, then in Hamilton, pretty much Hamilton has so many references to just classic Broadway uh, musical theater, people don't recognize, realize it, but the, the method of telling it is mostly hip hop or pop or R&B, right? So that's, but you're right, real, real hip hop, um, probably not. <laughs> so this yeah, would have been the first. Yeah, and he's such an, he's a lyricist. I mean, he's, he's mm-hmm. so excellent. And there, there are different styles in the show too, because it's heavily sort of cast. There's like a black ensemble and a white ensemble. And oh. I'm in the white ensemble, obviously. Um, and there's a, there's like a very showy kind of like, there's kind of bebop in there, but it's all satirical. It's all making fun of itself. So, yes. you know, they have, there's musical elements from, from lots of different styles. Um, mm. But I would say the, the most powerful and the most like driving force is hip hop. Um, and it's, it's so good. I just, it's so good. Well, so Black No More and Limpique are two shows that we're going to be keeping our eyes out. Those of us that love to go to, to, to see shows in New York, um, we are going to hope that that is something that happens in a future season sometime. And when we go to see it and it's open, we expect to either see you in it, Mary Page, or that you have put your stamp on what we see on the stage. One of those other one of those things is probably going to be true. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And, I'm you know, who knows? I would love that. Yeah. And as you said, who knows, you have to kind of be open to them not needing you anymore, depending on how the things go. But, um, I do feel lucky to have even gotten this far with both of them. And I, you know, especially with everything going on in the world with just social justice, Mm -hmm. it's just more important than ever to me that I do work that just matters (laughs) and is saying something, um, important and is like kind of fighting for justice in its, in its existence alone. And, Actors are never lucky enough to be able to choose their projects. You know, we just, we kind of just have to do the jobs we get because yeah. we don't get, you know, it's so hard. You got to survive. Don't get that many. Yeah, you've got to feed your soul, yeah. but you also have to pay the bills. So it's a combo. Yeah. If you can do both and when you can do both, that's great. And I know that, you know, we don't have time to talk about all of them, but I know that you also were involved, were an integral part of the development of a couple of other shows that people may have heard about. Soft Power, which I think was at the public, right? Or was that off yes. Broadway? The Share Show on Broadway and War Paint. Uh, so those yeah. are two other Broadway shows, very female heavy uh, leads, you know, and things like that, which is good in both those those last two Broadway shows. Um, but, you know, aside from performing, so we've talked a lot about um, the work you do to develop shows and, and being in, in a lot of the shows you've been in. You also are a theater educator. You're passionate about arts education. I know that. And, you know, I guess your time with the Appomattox Governor's School 
um, you know, near Richmond and Spark in Richmond, who's developed, Spark has developed a lot of interesting people, right? Um, uh, Emily Skinner was a Spark student at one point, right? So it's not just you. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I forget the the pop singer. Um, and Jason pop, Mraz. Jason Mraz, that's his name. Sorry, his name didn't come to me immediately. <laughs> Mraz, yeah. And so they both were, you know, heavily involved. So Spark, you're, you have an education background. So, you know, you're passionate about theater education and, and I know that you're teaching. So when you teach, what kind of things are you, you working on now and teaching? I know you're doing stuff online. Yeah, that's a good question. I am super passionate about it. And I think it's really important when you've gotten to a certain point in your career that you also just share that knowledge because what good is it going to do anyone if you just know it? It's like, well, now I know these things, so great. But I think it's important to share that knowledge with the future generations. Um, and they're going to be better than us anyway. So, um, so right, right now... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So right now I'm teaching mostly, um, I'm not teaching as much now. When I first, everything shut down, I was teaching a lot, but I found that teaching online just burns me out. I praise all the teachers who have been doing this for eight months because you are heroes. It is very hard, especially dance. Like you have to run back and, you know, demonstrate and then run (laughs) forward to the, it's just, it's so exhausting. And I feel like I'm putting out so much energy because I can't tell if they can feel it because they're in a computer screen. Right. So you're not getting it back in the same way that you would in a real live class. Totally. Yeah. And it's so hard. You're like, are you feeling this? I can't, I can't tell. Um, so I don't love it, but I have been doing it a little bit. So right now I'm teaching minimally. I have a couple private students that I teach online weekly, and I'm actually developing sort of a curriculum for a couple of older students, which has been fun because their lives are on hold. One just graduated from college, one just graduated from high school and their lives are on hold because of the pandemic. So I've helped them develop an online curriculum and have been like, telling them which classes to take and who I, you know, think will be good for them. And that's kind of been fun. Do you do, do you um, do coaching? Well. Do you do one-on-one coaching then? You're developing curriculum for these people. I do. Because I have a couple yeah. of students, you know, I teach at the music theater program at, at George Mason here in Fairfax, Virginia. And I have some that are about to graduate and they are so talented, but they really need some coaching uh, when it comes to the movement. So I may send them your way, some of them. Definitely do. Yeah. And there's a lot, there's a lot you can do online. You know, mm-hmm. there's, yeah. even though it's, the worst it, it's still possible so mm-hmm. so aside from the teaching online that you're doing and I know that's something that you will continue and once we're back to in-person teaching I know that you'll be in the classroom and sharing like you said everything that you've learned um, so um, talk to us a little bit about this other thing that you're working on too you know you have like a whole other career that you're developing which is, I think, beautiful, which is something called A Page of Mary that you mentioned earlier. And I want you to have a moment to talk about that. What, you know, we're going to wrap up soon, but what what is A Page of Mary? Well, thank you for asking. So A Page of Mary is my paper goods business, you can say. Um, essentially, I make, uh, I'm a book binder, so I, I, I bind journals and photo albums and specialty books that um, people are interested in and I sell them and and I also do stationery and cards and just Christmas pretty cards. much anything with paper. Christmas, Christmas cards. cards. I saw them. Get, guess that's Holiday what I'm buying. Cards. That's what I'm buying from your site. I'm getting some Christmas yes. cards for all my relatives. Yes. And I just released some Hanukkah cards as well. Got to keep it inclusive. Absolutely. So yeah, that's what it is. And I've always wanted to start it. My, so it's a play on my name, a page of Mary, Mary page. Um, Mm. and my name is spelled P A G E. So when I was a kid, everyone made fun of me because they're like, Oh, it's like a page in a book. And I never Mm. understood why that was an insult, but. (laughs) (laughs) And now you've used it to your advantage to create a page of Mary. Now have people want to buy any of these beautiful products and, and people, I urge people to go online to look at them because they are gorgeous. Um, and they come so beautifully wrapped, uh, Mary Page. What is, what is the name of the website? Thank you. Um, so the website currently, I don't know when this is going to air, but it's, uh, it's a long story. It's going to be www.apageofmary.com, but my domain is like held up. So now it's like a page of Mary.shopify.com. But if you go to my Instagram, that's the best way. So it's at a page P A G E of Mary and you go to my Instagram and the website is in my bio. Um, but my domain is going to be changing in a couple of days. So, so folks need to go on Instagram to at a page of Mary. 
Mm-hmm. That's easy enough That's to great. remember. Okay, on Instagram. And then you have a Facebook, and then, or they can also go to your website if they want to know more about your projects and what you're working on. And I know you have a link to your on your website to the page of Mary's site. That's how I got there. Oh, gosh. You have really done your research. I yes, have. I do have a link on my website. And I actually do have a Facebook for it. I'm terrible with Facebook, as I told you. So mm-hmm. I don't really check it, but I, I I, think I have it linked. So everything I post on Instagram just goes there. So it is on Facebook if you're a Facebook person. Mm-hmm. Um but to answer your question, yes, people want my things. It's so weird. I'm not, so gorgeous. I'm not totally over it yet, but it's funny because I've always made books and, and things for friends. And mm-hmm. my whole life, you know, if I needed to send a card, I would just make it. I'm like, why would I spend $8 on a card I could just make myself? As um, someone just, who does a lot of different things as well, let me tell you, you've discovered this. It's wonderful. You're, it's out there. Don't stop. Thank like, even you. if you go back to doing shows and you're busy... Don't stop this part of you because I think I think you'll find that it'll grow. I think this is going to be, you know, and it's a great it's a great way to be creative in your own time and you know, they're beautiful. So a page of Mary whether it's on Instagram, Facebook, and or people can go to your website is it www.marypagenance. Nance, huh? yeah. It okay. is, yeah. And right now for the holidays I'm having a sale oh. um so, so so my books sell out. Like I had a sale on Saturday. I put up 12 books and they sold out in three minutes. Oh, it's crazy. Geez. People want them. Yes. So I'm having a sale every Saturday between now and pretty much like mid-December. So if you're interested at 12 p.m. PST, because mm-hmm. I'm on the West Coast right now, uh-huh. um, they go up and you got to grab them quick because they go. And if you want to see kind of the process. Where, and Where do they go? Where do I go on Saturday at noon? My website. Just your website. Okay, good. Yep, and they'll be uploaded, and you can check out, and it's all official, and um, and to see what's going to be available ahead of time, I Great. post it all on my Instagram, so you can see what you want. Well, Mary Page, but the that's stationary fantastic. Is up all the time. I'm sorry, say it again? Sorry, but the stationery is up all the time, and that's not sold out, so that's if you good. want that. No, I mean, I think this is also wonderful, you know, from your Broadway shows to working to develop the Broadway shows to teaching to, and I know we didn't get time, you know, we're out of time, but we didn't get to talk about all the other things you direct, you do, you know, a lot of the other teaching stuff that you do, but I I just, you know, I think we hit most of the signposts, and I, I just want, you know, to tell you, this is a pause, but it's coming back, and I think when we're coming back, we're all really, really looking forward to seeing the work that you do, whether it's yourself on stage or the work that you've done to put together these wonderful uh, pieces of theater that we all want to enjoy, right? The artistry. And then, of course, a page of Mary, which is out there and people should check out, especially now during the holidays. So thank you so much, Mary Page. It's been so great to talk to you. I wish I had another hour or two. I know. No, you're so wonderful. And thank you for taking the time to to ask me these questions. And I hope... um I hope people enjoy listening to it. And um, I'm so excited for theater to come back, but I'm also, as you said, it's a pause and it's it's a good time, I think, for us to reckon with a lot that's happening in life. It's so easy for theater artists to just get so zeroed in on 16 bars, you know, but it's, it's good to zoom out and just see what's happening in the world and with relationships and other creative ventures. So I, you know, I hope everyone's finding little ways to kind of survive in their own creative um, little corners. And um, yeah, but I am excited to see these projects and hope that... I'll get to see you one day in the audience, maybe. Absolutely. Or maybe we'll do a show together yeah. one day. Or I, I will know. come backstage and I'll knock on that stage door and say, I need to see Mary Page pronto. And they'll say, come on pronto. through. Pronto. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or you'll come yeah, out I'm and meet so me, excited. whichever, one of the two. But thank you so much, Mary Page. I really appreciate your being on American Theater Artists Online. It's been so much fun talking to you as I knew it would be. Thank you so much for having me. Happy holidays. You too.